0: Our reading this morning is taken from 1 Peter 3, verses 14 to 18, and I read. But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear. Do not be frightened. But in your heart set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. It is better, if it is God's will, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. For Christ died for sin once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body but made alive in the Spirit. Amen.
1: Maybe of some benefit to you. 1 Peter 3.15 is the verse which is literally taking us right the way through this term. But in your heart set apart Christ as Lord always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. One of my favorite TV series is The American Office. Has anyone watched that? Yeah, not the British one. That's really quite nasty. There's something a little bit nasty about that, but this is different. It's a mockumentary, they call it. Follows the lovable but hapless manager um, of the Scranton branch of Dunder Mifflin Paper Company. Now, Michael Scott is a self proclaimed best boss in the world. He has a really good heart, but what happens is often painful to see he just wants to be loved he wants to be popular and the most painful episode and I've only watched it once so it's too painful to watch is called Scott's Tots and 10 years previously he made a promise and some people are calling for him now to redeem uh, that promise and um, let's watch the clip good volume at the beginning please What happens next is just too painful to watch. I love that phrase, of all the empty promises I've made, this was by far the most generous. Here's the point. You cannot give away what you don't have. Yeah? You cannot give away what you don't have. You can't make a promise if you don't have the resources. You cannot give away what you don't have. Now, Peter is preparing these Christians here, for a season of suffering. It hasn't begun properly yet, but the warning signs are there. Uh, the heat is uh, increasing, and in the face of this, he wants to get them ready. And he knows and assumes that these people had lives so different, so radically different to the people around them, that they would appear so unlike in stark contrast to the culture um, which they, they lived in. And and, and they were so different that people would be asking these people, hey, what's this hope within you? What do you have that I don't have? Remember, these people were getting ready for an intense time of persecution. So he says, listen, you always need to be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you, because they will ask you, because your life as a Christian is so different that people will just want to know. Um, So he says, be prepared to articulate, to speak about this hope and this faith which you have. Now, literally, the Greek word is to make a defense. The word is the word we get the word apology from. But the word apology doesn't just mean to say sorry. It also means giving an explanation. Um, That's where we get the word apologetics from, a defense. A lawyer gives a defense at a trial. He gives an apology And so Peter is saying you need to give a defense of your faith. By the way, it's interesting. He doesn't say give a defense of faith per se or hope per se. You see, the New Testament doesn't really speak about faith or hope generally. Faith and hope is always very specific because it points to the object of that faith, the object of that hope, which is Jesus Christ. People can have faith. People can have hope. But that's irrelevant really to the new testament the new testament is interested in the object of that which is jesus christ so he says that's interesting he says give a reason for the hope he says not a feeling (laughs) he doesn't say you know tell tell them how you feel nor what you do He, he he doesn't just say your word just say go to church because actually that that wouldn't have meant much to them anyway He says, use your reason to give a reason. That makes sense, doesn't it? Use your reason to give a reason. We saw that clip from John Lennox earlier. Again, um, had been professor uh, of maths and philosophy of science at Oxford. And he would argue the Christian faith is reasonable. It makes intellectual sense. Therefore, there are reasons for why I am a Christian. And that's what Peter's saying. There are reasons for you following Jesus Christ. You need to be ready to share. What are those reasons? Now, in some ways, some people might say, well, I was brought up in the Christian faith. My parents were Christians. But, of course, these people didn't have that. They were first-generation Christians. So they were new to this. So this reason goes beyond the fact that, um, by God's providence, my parents were Christians and I went along to a church that might be a set of circumstances which actually might be quite important but there has to be other reasons as well that's what peter is saying what are the reasons for the hope within you and of course that hope is the gospel and so he says people will respond to your life you are to respond to their questions when do we do this well he says what does he say always be prepared to give an answer to everyone. So always, where well, there's a sense as a Christian, I'm always alert to the opportunities I have of talking to people why I'm a Christian. Who? Everyone, it says. That's pretty comprehensive, isn't it? Everyone. doesn't say on a Sunday. It says always. It, it, it's not just talking about to say this to a few people. No, everyone. But it's because of something they have. It's the hope within you. This is not second hand. They haven't read a book or done a course. In other words, I have something to share because I have something in me I've experienced and I have something to give away. Michael Scott reminds us we can't give away what we don't have. But Peter knew that these people had something. Boy, oh boy, do they have something. What, What was it? Or rather, who was it? Their hope was the gospel. You see... It's not about something. It's about someone. It's about someone. It's not a feeling. It's not an idea. It's not a philosophy. The gospel is about someone. Who? Heart of the hope, the content of the gospel is Jesus. Who he is, what he did. So people say, what's the Christian faith? It's about Jesus, who he is and what he did. Who he is, verse 15a, in your heart set apart, Christ as Lord What he did, verse 18, his death and resurrection. And both of these things are interlinked. So who is he? Not just the name, by the way. What's his identity? Because his identity is critical. We all live in a digital age. If I was to ask you, um, how many of you have had at one time or another your social media account or email scammed, hacked, or cloned? I would think it's most people in the room. Most so we are conscious, aren't we? We're naturally cautious when we respond to certain emails and messages um, because we, we want to know what is the identity of this person. I feel very privileged, you see, and special that an ex member of the Nigerian royal family has left me fifty million dollars in an. I, that's amazing, isn't it? And 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 when I give them my. Bank account details, I'm going to... Isn't that amazing, isn't it? The more my life is committed to something, the greater the stakes. True? The more my life is committed to something, the greater the stakes. And in those situations, the more that person's identity is critical. Now, these people's lives um, was absolutely identified with Jesus. Many of these people reading this would, in a, a few short months experience death they would be thrown to the lions and to the gladiators in the arena but they were so committed they were so invested because they realized the identity of the one they were committed to who is he well the niv says in your hearts set apart christ as lord again um, we'll start learning this verse it's a good verse to learn He says, Jesus Christ is the absolute center of your life. He is the absolute shaper of who you are. I set him as the one who calls the shots. I obey him, follow him, submit to him as the Lord and the leader of my life. Now, I think you'd agree with me. That is not a small matter, is it? It's not a small thing. That's not a minor adjustment. It's not a leisure pursuit. This is a total life change, especially, especially, as I said, because of this total identification with Jesus, they would suffer, and many of them would die as a result. But why? Why would they do that? It goes back to who is this Jesus? And and Peter says so in, in that phrase at the beginning of verse 15, and it comes out better in a word-for-word translation like the ESV. This is what the ESV says, and and it's uh, printed on the second page there. It says, in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. That's a good word-for-word translation. Now, that's important because, for this reason, Peter is using a phrase used in the Old Testament to refer to God himself. Um, In Isaiah chapter 8, so this is hundreds of years previously, um, God's word is brought to God's people. um, And uh, in verse 12, Isaiah 8, printed there, it says, Do not fear what they fear, nor be in dread, that's verse 14, by the way, in 1 Peter three fourteen. 14. He says, do not fear what they fear. Do not be frightened. And then it says this, but the Lord of hosts, him you shall honor as holy. So Peter is deliberately using exactly the same language describing Yahweh, the Lord God of hosts in the Old Testament, and he explicitly applies it to Jesus. In other words, Peter is saying this Jesus is the Christ he is the Lord uh, because the supreme God of Israel, the way he's described, is the same way Jesus is described here. In other words, Jesus is not just an option among many. He is not a, just a good moral example. He is not a sublime spiritual guru or prophet or religious teacher. He is God himself himself become as one of us. God in the flesh coming to claim his creation for himself, revealing his love and his character, his saving power. God himself making it possible for us to know him, not by sending a prophet or a messenger or a committee, that's a relief, but by coming himself in the flesh. That's why the center of the gospel is Jesus. And that's why these people had had, had bet Everything, everything on this Jesus. It doesn't make sense if he's just a nice guy, if he's just a religious leader. They were going to pay the ultimate. A lot of these people in the New Testament ended up dying for their faith. But they were clear that the identity of this Jesus meant that actually their options, their responses were pretty limited. It was kind of yes or no. There was no middle ground here. And they would say, because of who he was, God in the flesh, their response was yes, whatever, even if that meant death. I love the quote from C.S. Lewis uh, printed on the on the sheet. And again, there are some connect group questions there for you. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on a level with the man who says he's a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell, you must make your choice. Either this man was and is the Son of God or else a madman, or something worse. But let us not come up with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. And when we look at Jesus, the reason is who he is it is you look at his teaching, look at the, Listen, we, we have this kind of problem with Jesus. We, we just are so familiar with Jesus' claims, and yet if Jesus wasn't who he said he was, if this wasn't, if Jesus wasn't the the unique one and only God who created the universe in flesh, then actually I would suggest to you that that Jesus needs therapy. You know, because he does. There is no middle ground here. There is really no... Anyone who comes up to you and says, oh, if you believe in me, I will give you eternal life beyond death. Now, if someone did that to you, you'd be taking a step back, wouldn't you? You'd be thinking, oh, dear. Uh, we've met a few people like that. Because that's, we wouldn't say that's, that's great. We would say there's something wrong with that person. And all of Jesus' claims and teaching were, were about himself. I, 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 I. Either he was or he said he was, or he was mentally ill, an imposter. We look at his works, his character, his fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy, the resurrection, which is the cornerstone of Christianity. More about that next week. And all of these show that Jesus is the one, the Christ. John one fourteen: the word became flesh who entered our neighborhood. Listen, you know, we, we use that at Christmas time, don't we? But that phrase is absolutely offensive if it's not true. The God, the one God who created the cosmos, became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. You know, there, there is no middle ground here. And because of him, who he is and what he's done, we can actually experience a quality of life which, even facing death, was so unique that people would come up and say, what on earth have you got? What are you on, we'd say now. <laughs> They'd say, we, we, we're not on anything. But we know and love Jesus. Jesus is the one. Uh, uh, John 10.10, 10, I have come to give life in all its fullness. And because this Jesus is the God himself who is still alive, that promise is equally good for now. Because of who he is. If he was just a human being, then that, that's, it's really pointless. But because of he's, he's God, he's living now, that promise becomes a promise that I can experience as I put my faith in him. I, I love the John fourteen six. We use this often at a funeral. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except by me. Again. You know, this was a multicultural society um, Jesus was in and this church was in. But, but Jesus comes with an utter uniqueness. You know, be under no illusion of, of the offensiveness of these words if this isn't true. Jesus is claiming an, a, a complete uniqueness. And that's linked to who he was. I am the way, the truth, and the law. I'm the way. I can give you direction in a lost world, he says. You will discover that you were created to live in a relationship with God. And you can experience that through me. I'm the way. I'm the truth. I can give you reality in a confused world. Pilate said, what is truth? Jesus said, I am the truth. Both for the mind, the heart, and the will. Not my truth but his truth. One of the biggest problems and idolatries of this age is when we talk about my truth. My truth. Jesus doesn't speak about my truth. He says, I am the truth. This is a very exclusive statement. C.S. Lewis, Christianity is a statement which if false is of no importance and if true of infinite importance. The one thing it cannot be is moderately important. If Jesus is who he said he was, then actually it forces me into a decision. It's either true or not. It can't be one or the other, and it can't be somewhere in the middle. These people had so experienced the truth of this and were living this out that they were ready to face death itself. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus wants to give you life in a dark world, a quality of life which comes from living in a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. I love that, John 17, 3. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. This is the hope within us, knowing him. This is it. It centers on Jesus, who he is, what he's done, we'll look at next week. He is the one. I can know this and experience this personally. He says, this is the hope within you. Uh, Paul, in Philippians, speaks about the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. The most glorious, the most splendid, the most amazing thing any human being can ever do is to get to know this Jesus Christ. That's why these people's lives stood out like a sore thumb, uh, so much so that that wherever they went, people would ask them questions. Why? Because of Jesus. Wow. This was great news. Pretty democratic, too, because a lot of these people... Um, were not the um, the, the highest le- strata of society. A lot of these people were slaves. A lot of these people uh, were people who didn't have power and authority and control. And yet they discovered a freedom of life in and through Jesus Christ because they knew and had received God's love. And this gives life to people looking for meaning. It, it, it brings hope in the face of death, purpose into confusion, Forgiveness in the face of my disordered, chaotic life. The deepest love and relationship to those who are lonely. So you can see why we know this, but then you're going to naturally share that, aren't you? You Maybe not. We're going to share it. Because why wouldn't you do that? And over the coming weeks, we'll look practically at at how we can do that. But, But first, we have to be, I cannot share what I don't have. I cannot. And we have to grasp the gospel and and receive that before we can share it. It's not about being religious. It's not about being spiritual. It's not about coming to church, though it might include some of those things. It's about receiving through faith and repentance this incredible gift given by God made possible through Jesus' death and resurrection. So, to finish this off, um Alpha is a, is a great way um, to, to kind of start thinking um, a little bit more about that. And if you're doubtful about that or you have questions, Alpha, do not rest. Do not rest until this is certain in, in your life. You know, I, oh dear. I, I've been here 29 years, okay, which is quite a long time. You're supposed to say, you look so young. But what I've said over this time is that my, this is the thing that keeps me awake at night. You can get large congregations and people come and they're kind of, they enjoy it. But, but they remain as people who are on the outside looking in. And the most important thing is to be clear about this. Receiving this gift of salvation. And Alpha is a good way of exploring that. Um, for others, um, you need to effectively... Get back your first love. Get back your first love. Um, it's grown cool. Seek him. Seek him. Um, Alpha actually is also a good way of a refresher course. And if we're looking at how we articulate our faith, Alpha is quite a good uh, way to, to learn how to do that. Um, but we've got an opportunity to live that, to receive that, to share that. So that we, in, in conjunction with these people, Peter is writing to always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have within you. We're going to end. I'm going to pray after this. Uh, This is John, J. John.